Hey, good morning and welcome to Breakthrough Walls. I'm Ken Walls and I'm your host. And today I have the one and only Mrs. Taylor Thompson on the show. You guys are not going to believe this woman's story. Hey, if you want to learn how to become a millionaire, you might want to watch this. So, hey, stay with us. We'll be right back. And we are back. I want to bring Taylor on. Here we go. Taylor, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you? I am wonderful. How are you always so happy? <laughs> well, I I say, um, you know, here's the thing. Uh, the My was raised that don't let the enemy steal your joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Amen. Amen. You are you are a bright, shining light and just filled with energy all the time. Oh. All the time. Well, I, I, I probably might disagree with that because sometimes, you know, it's not always like that. Who? Um, my family, you know, they, oh. they may beg to differ with you on some occasions, I'm sure. Oh. <laughs> I, hey, I mean, you're a friend and a client of mine. I've I've experienced a little bit of stress that you may have been going through, but I don't think I've ever heard you just like lose it. So, <laughs> but so so Taylor, I created this show a couple two and a half years ago, and it was um, to to help people get unstuck in life to have a breakthrough. Um, I'm sure that along your journey, I would imagine you've had some, uh, some setbacks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You're like, that's my middle name. So, so let's start with, let's start with, you know, telling everybody where you were born and raised. Well, I mean, now don't tell Larry. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, you know, because he doesn't like for me to share this too often, but I was, I was born um, in Weatherford, Oklahoma. So that's the part that he doesn't like for me to share. Why? (laughs) Come on, Larry. Why? What's wrong with Oklahoma? He just thinks that, you know, he's like that Oklahoma, like what? Um, So I was born in Weatherford, Oklahoma, um, but I was raised in West Texas. I'm a West Texas girl. diehard. I grew up all over West Texas. I went to... I went to six different elementary schools, if you can believe. So I think that's probably, you know, I think that's probably why I I don't meet strangers. And, you know, I, I was put in situations that, you know, I had to be, uh, you know, the uncomfortable had to become the comfortable. Um, so really kind of stretched out of the comfort zone. And then if I was going to have friends, I was going to have to make it happen. So, um, wow. yeah. So, and I... Uh, but it, it, interesting on my like my journey. I mean, I I uh, well, I was I was I I was went to Amarillo, Texas. That's where I really started my journey. Um, my mom, she was married to my dad, and my dad had my dad was a Vietnam vet, 
And um, my mom was in nurse. My mom had been in nursing school in, in Amarillo. My dad was, my dad was a very troubled man, came back from Vietnam and just really wasn't the same guy that he left. I was really um, very, very physically abusive to my mom. Mm. Um, and so I watched all that as a, as a little girl at the age of five, my dad, my dad actually, um, kidnapped me from my mom at gunpoint. I know, I, I remember it very clearly. Um, after he, wow. yeah, I mean, I remember him holding me with a gun pointed out at her and her sitting in the living room and I mean, bloody, she was, it was, she was beaten to a pulp. Oh my God. And you know, but if you if you try to stop me, I'll kill you. Oh my God! Um, and so I remember him sticking me in the back seat and making me lay down in the floor floor bed of the car, and um, you know to be quiet. And um, I that was I that's the way I lived my life for almost a year. And this was in Texas. Well, we we that's was it was in Texas, but we were. From that point, our journey for the next year was all over. We were in we were in Wyoming and Colorado and Utah. His family was primarily in Utah. We were in and out of Utah. We were in California, and I had to be hidden during the day. I couldn't go out during the day. Um, and oh. I, 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 I didn't talk to my mom for over a year. Oh, at five years old. At five years old, my mom didn't know if I was dead or alive, and. Um, you know, my mom was so desperate to try to find out, you know, like from even from his family, you know, is she just tell me if she's okay. Tell me, you know, they wouldn't, they would not even tell her if I was healthy, dead, live, if they've seen me, they told her nothing. And the FBI actually got involved. Um, I was just getting ready to say, where was the FBI? Yeah, no, it was a, <clears throat> it was a major, major uh, ordeal. Um, and it wow. would, um, it was actually, in Oklahoma, my uh, because my father's family was actually from Oklahoma. We were in Lawton, Oklahoma, and my my grandmother, uh, well, actually my great grandmother, uh, she she called my mom and said, you know, she's here, and um, you know, he was she just couldn't stand the fact that you know what he was doing to my mom, and uh, I'll never forget. It's in the middle of the night. And they grabbed my, it, I was at my great aunt's house and they pulled me out of bed and they stuck me underneath the dining room table. And I remember this dining room table was in front of this big plate glass window. And I remember looking out of the window and I, like all the, all the police cars and all of the lights, you know, and you like, you have no idea like what's really happening or what's really going on. And I remember seeing yeah. my mom, you know, standing by the police car and I was just waving at her and, and, um, you know, I just remember being so excited to see my mom, you know, um, because I, and, you know, honestly, it's kind of weird, Ken, because I don't remember what my dad was telling me about my mom. I remember asking, but I don't remember what he was telling me, you know, wow. I, the offset was on that. Um, it's kind of interesting, but that night, you know, I was, um, reunited with my mom and at, I, at six, no, I was still five at that time. Oh, I was still so, five. So was did they arrest your dad. Yes. They arrested my dad. And, um, you know, interestingly enough, uh, and 
I guess as a mom now, you know, re- looking back, I don't know how she didn't do this, but she didn't press charges on him because he would have went to jail. And she told me, you know, she kept telling me, you know, because he's your, he's your dad. Wow. And um, so that was, that was like in April that they found me. I, I, I was turning six in July. So in May, now keep in mind, so this whole time, like, so my mom met, uh, my mom met my stepdad during the course of all this. And he was like her, you know, confidant, best friend walked with her through this whole process. I mean, you can imagine like not seeing your child or whatever. So she, she developed a relationship with my, my soon to be stepfather. So this was in April. Well, then in May, my mom is marrying this man that I don't even know. Wow. And, you know, so then the, fo- the following May. No, I, they rescued me in April. Oh, and, oh, yeah. She married him, my stepfather, in May. When, but when did your when did your father do that horrible? Well, see, the whole so while I was gone during the whole time, my mom divorced my I mean, she I mean, she divorced him. Yeah, but that had happened, I guess, a year earlier, almost or somewhere there about. Okay, got it. Yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So then whenever so in the summertime, so I so now he has summertime visitation with me, my real father. So it's May. They marry. It's June. Now it's summertime. And now I'm supposed to go back to be with my dad. Oh my God. And um, whenever I'll never forget whenever he came to pick me up, I locked everybody out of the house. <laughs> I did. At, at what? Five or six years old. I, I, so wow. this was in June and I turned wow. six in July. Wow. And I locked everybody out of the house because I, I thought that he was going to take me away again. Right. And um, so, you know, I only, the only person I let in was my stepdad at that time. And, you know, he promised that nothing's going to happen and he's going to bring you back. And so that's, uh, so that's how I started my journey. And I started first grade, then uh, rode a a school bus. My mom was a nurse. My dad was a farmer. We lived on a farm. And um, your dad or stepdad? Stepdad, my stepdad. So I was, my, I became, I became a farm girl at this point. And um, so right before, uh, right before I started school, I had really, really, really long hair and it mm. was long and curly. I have natural curly hair. You can't really can't tell now because I kind of straighten it and curl yeah. it. But um, my, my stepdad made my mom cut off all my hair. What? Yeah. He made my mom cut off all my hair. So I had this short, you can imagine like short, I had real, real curly. And then, then it just became this kinky curly hair. Oh my gosh. And, and so I remember I got on the school bus, my, you know, and immediately kids started bullying me. Oh my gosh. So I, you know, they, I mean, I immediately started school under the premise of, you know, being that kid, right. That I I was, I was tall, you know, most people don't know because they see me behind the camera, but right now, I mean, like I'm, I'm, I'm five foot 11. Are you really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, we've never met in person, so I, I don't, I wouldn't know. No, wow. You don't know. You don't know how tall people are, or no. what the stature is. You know, whenever you're only behind the camera all the time. Yeah, I'm. <laughs> I'm only five one. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm six foot though. I mean, we're. Uh, yeah. 
don't wear heels around me. I'll, I'll, I'll feel really insecure and short. Oh yeah. They, um, no, I, uh, it was, I, there was a very, it was a very tough time because I remember like, I mean, they call, can you imagine kids? They call me like werewolf. They call uh, me a werewolf. Kids can be nasty little creatures. Like just <laughs> brutal, right? I mean, uh, and then being tall on top of that, um, you know, that was always like tall, awkward, short hair. Like it was, but um, I mean, I guess, I, I guess it really, it, it really did make me have ultimately have a heart for, I hate bullies now. Right. I mean, I, yeah. hate, well, I hate bullies uh, yeah. because I, I know what it's like to be bullied. I yeah. know. Um, and so I'm such a, I'm such a fighter for the underdog, right? That's, that was really kind of. You are, and I know you so, so well now. I know your heart and, and I could never forget your birthday. Mm. <laughs> oh my gosh. Is that the craziest thing ever? It is the craziest thing. Yes. Guys, like, okay. Just so you know. So in the conversation, you know, Ken and I, you know, you know, whenever we met, we were introduced through a friend. So they, she yeah. connected us. Jen, love Jen. Yeah. Jen. Love Jen. Um, she connected us and we had a conversation. I think our first conversation was uh, over an hour and a half. It was a long time. You know, yeah. you just know whenever you really connect with people and you just, you just have synergy and it was, it was, and then we were like, we have the same birthday. So just so write the, write the day down, July 17. Yep. Send us cards and gifts. We'll accept them all. <laughs> yep. We will. We will. Unless they're hateful. Um, so, so yeah, you're, you're an amazing lady. And, and, and I think that, um, you know, and do you know Kelly Williams? Uh, I know. Let's see. Is this her right here? Yeah. Y'all are neighbors. She lives in Houston. Oh, okay. Well, you know that Houston, I, Dallas. I, I, I know. I know. Um, but she's, yeah, her husband played for um, the Houston Oilers or Houston. Oh, yeah. So, you know, my. Day, Paul. I don't know how far, jump, far, we, far ahead we jump here, but my. Uh, my first husband was drafted by the Houston Oilers. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Small world. Probably know each other then. So, <laughs> so, um, what's Kima? Oh, that's where she lives. Kima? Kima? <laughs> how do you say that? I don't even know how you say sure, it. I'm not sure. So, so you, um, all right. So back to your story. So here you are. Uh, I want to go back to that five, six year old period. Yeah. Um, oh, she lives. Yeah, she lives there. Okay. Um, so you're going now you start up visitations with your, your real dad. Yeah. Um, did you see him all the time? No, he lived in, you know, he was, he lived in Utah. And so I would see him summers. Um, okay. I, you know, I would leave and I would spend the summer with him and, you know, see his family, his mom, you know, my aunts and uncles and, you know, spend that time with them. And that was, that was kind of how, you know, spent the school year with my mom 
And then I would go see my dad during the summer times until I was, until I was like in, in seventh grade. And it was like, so in this time frame, like during my <clears throat> elementary school years, you know, we moved a lot, you know, we yeah. moved all over West Texas. And um, so my sixth grade year was horrible, just horrible. I went through another bullying stage, like with the mean girls. This is where I had my mean girl experience. Wow. And I really got a really taste for what mean girls really were. And it was one of those situations to where, um, you know, and there's probably there's probably some women here could probably relate to and connect with this piece. And I, uh, you know, it was, I rode the school bus again, right? And there was this group of girls and, you know, there's always the ringleader, there was always that ringleader and I, you know, you would come in from the bus and you would come into the cafeteria and you would sit at the tables, you know, and everybody would have their little clicky tables that you would sit with. And the, the thing, the most dreaded thing to have an experience with is your bus to be late and for you to be the last person that comes to the table, yeah. the table because they've already, you know, you know that they've already started a conversation about you and you were going to be the target for the day. And yeah. the way my sixth grade year was. And typically my bus was always late. Always. Mm. <laughs> and, wow. and that was, that was a, that was the most brutal, brutal year uh, I, that I experienced in, in school. Um. And was it a new school for you or? Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those, it was one of those I, that I, you know, I, and I went from, I went from, um, uh, I, I lived from, I went from Midland, Odessa, and then we moved to, um, um, we moved to, Am we moved to Amarillo. We moved okay. back to Amarillo. And wow. uh, so I was the new girl. I was the tall girl. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was, I was those, I was those things. And so, um, it was, you know, but again, it was one of those really kind of learning experiences where you really have a, you really start learning like what not to do and not, and how not to treat people. And, and yeah. so, you know, but, but my, my junior high, but my junior, we, we ended up moving again, same city, but different, but different set of dynamics as I started junior high school. And that was really, really great, fun, fun years for me because I'd always, I had, I was an athlete. I'd played basketball. And so that was like really my, became my, my team or my, where I really created a big identity for myself because I played volleyball. I did basketball. I did track. I was, you know, and because of my height, that was really advantageous for me in major you can you can see and so I created my own like my own space right I didn't have to you know fit into somebody's click I just was able to be me and be authentic to who I was and it was really uh, junior high was you know junior high for most kids not fun but it was fun for me I remember it being like it was i felt like I would change my, change my life. Right. And it, did, did it carry over for you into high school? Well, interestingly enough, I mean, like, so in, during my junior high school years, it was, you know, I had, I had, I had the friends I had, you know, I, I, you know, I was 
popular. I was a, you know, class favorites and all, all of those things, you know, at, wow. you know, all around athlete. I mean, I, 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 I was, I got all the accolades, right. But my family life was in turmoil. Um, my mom, my dad, you know, he was having an affair. My stepdad, he was having an affair. And it was at this time, whenever I started junior high, that I stopped going to see my dad during the summertime because I was wanting to be with my friends, you know, you know, you yeah. you want to, you want to have in the summertime is whenever you really have your social, life. you want to be with your peeps and, yeah. and you didn't yeah. want to miss out on anything. And so I, I, and so at that point with my, with my real father, whenever I stopped seeing him, he literally cut off all ties with me. Um, and then my, my stepfather started having an affair and on my mom and he moved out um, and moved in with the other woman. And so my family life was falling apart. Wow. And, um, and so, and all through the course of this, you know, I want my, I mean, like, <clears throat> I'm, I feel really blessed because I had, I had a set of praying grandparents, right? My mom was grown up in a Christian home and, you know, was there every time the church doors opened. Yeah. Um, but that wasn't me, you know, whenever, you know, my, my grandmother, my Gaga, <laughs> you know, she's the one that always encouraged me to go to church and, and so I, I was the girl that rode the church bus. I not only rode the school bus, but I rode the church bus. Yeah. And, and so that was kind of like my anchor in, in, in all things, keeping, keeping myself together and keeping myself focused. And, and, but there came a time whenever, you know, and I probably didn't really understand this, but my, my dad was my stepdad. He was such an authoritarian. Um, you know, it was, he, 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 I mean, I, you know, not only did I have the school responsibilities, I was a straight A student. I mean, and it wasn't because, I mean, I kept straight A's and that was, that was expected. Straight A's was expected. You know, it wasn't like celebrated. It was expected. And, uh, you know, I came home from school and duties and I did laundry and helped get dinner started because my mom worked all the time. And so for me to get to do outside curricular or outside things with my fan, with my friends, you know, it was typically always a no. I mean, like yeah. I would, you know, I would like clean, I would do the house. I would do all, I would do anything and everything that could, my dad could possibly think of for me to do. And I, I was always afraid to to ask because typically it was going to be, well, did you do this? Well, did you do this? Well, did you do this? You know, yeah. and even after doing all those things, typically it would be a no. And so, you know, I, I, I learned later on in life, you know, whenever you um, whenever you create such a, a, a whenever you create everything around rules without relationship equals rebellion. And I didn't know that at the time rules. Yeah. <laughs> with combined with re, without without relationship equals rebellion rebellion wow so you want you to think about it like i mean you know you think about it as a parent today you know whenever you whenever you have rules for your children and there's there's disciplinary actions but there's there's also comes a place where there's a relationship that goes with it in other words like okay i'm not only I, i'm doing this for your own good and it was just words but there was actually a relationship to support that 
that, you know, it's not the only relationship you have is whenever you're in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, you know, so during this time, so during this time, I mean, um, I, I, I was like, I, I, I don't know that I actually thought this, but I was just like, what is this all for? I mean, like, I'm, I'm a good kid. You know, I, I, I'm a, I'm a, I'm an athlete. My parent, I, I don't, I can, I, I, I could count how many times my family, my parents came to watch me do anything. Wow. You know, and so, and that's okay because my mom was, I mean, it was just, it just was different then. It was different. Yeah. Not like yeah. it really is now. <laughs> right. There, there just was, they, their focus was different than what was with me. And so, and it was about at that time that I really kind of started going through a real rebellious thing. Um, yeah. This, there was this um, older guy. And, <laughs> and so he was in high school and I was at the junior high school. And, you know, um, this was one, like in my ninth grade year. And he was, he was a junior. Now that's a big difference. And I, and so I would be walking home from school and he would be driving by and he, I guess I caught his eye. I don't know. And um, so he started pursuing me. Well, you know, I mean, any, anybody knows that if you have a daughter that age and that age difference, probably not a healthy situation. Right. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't the, he wasn't the A plus guy by any stretch of the imagination. I mean, he was, you know, he, it's not like he was the, the, I mean, he was popular, but not in a probably great way to be popular. Mm. <laughs> he wasn't the quarterback of the football team by any stretch of the imagination. Right. But, um, you know, he paid, he, he was paying me attention. And, and so he was, he was popular in a lot of circles, probably not the best of circles. And, um, and I, I succumbed to that and, Mm. you know, and I started doing, I started sneaking around and, you know, I didn't, I wasn't promiscuous by any stretch of the imagination, but I put myself in situations now, whenever I think about it and like when, oh my gosh, like that was crazy of me. Crazy. Yeah. You know, I mean, just doing like stand, you know, telling my mom that I was going to stay the night at so-and-so and we would go out and we'd be out all night. We wouldn't be anywhere. We now we didn't get in any trouble. We weren't doing drugs or anything crazy like that. Right. But we were, I mean, we put ourselves definitely in harm's way, not even just out of total ignorance. Right. And don't you, don't you think about that? I mean, I know you have kids now and I, I, I mean, don't you think about like, <laughs> I'm sorry, but no, you're not spending. I know what I did when I spent the night over there, and no is the answer. Oh, <laughs> like, listen, I always tell my kid, I always told the girls, like, you can listen, there's not very many places you can put your feet that I haven't already walked. So, <laughs> right, I'm just going right. with that one, right? right. Um, and I just, uh, you know, as you have, and especially because I have three girls, yeah. you know, um. I've always said, you know, it's like, Lord, please don't make me pay for my raising. (laughs) I know. I know. know. So, so you, uh, and I have two girls, so God has a sense of humor. Yes. So, so, you know, I, I was just thinking about something when you're, when you're a kid, 
Like, let's just go from when, I mean, here you are at five years old, kidnapped by your father at gunpoint and didn't see your mom for almost a year. No communication at all with her. No. Like, and you're then six. Did you just plug in your laptop? <laughs> I did. That's what that, I, I, I know every sound that, that Apple's made. No, 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 it's fine. So you, you, you go through all of this insanity as a kid and then your mom marries your stepdad. Things start going sideways there. Um, and it's as a kid, it's hard to, and I, I can say this because I can relate to this. Um, you don't tell anybody or, or, or if anyone, it's going to have to be somebody very, very close that you trust because kids can be nasty. And, and so you, you want to fit in with ki other kids. So you just don't tell anybody what's going on at home. No, it's one of those things that, you know, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of, you know, kind of shame associated with it. There's a lot of, yeah. um, you know, it's like, especially whenever, you know, especially whenever your friends and people that you're hanging out with and you see their family and they have, you know, they don't even know what divorce is. I mean, right. they're, still with their, they're still with their parents. They're still, you know, they've got, and they've got siblings and, he, and I'm the only child, right? So, you know, I don't even have that outlet. I don't even yeah. have that that piece of, or, or anybody that I can connect to that can be my confidant that we can share in the, in the conversations and still have safety and, and yeah. And privacy. Right. Yeah. So it, it, it was real. It was really, really, it was really, really hard. And so, you know, so I'm, so here I am, I'm, you know, my dad finds out about this, my stepdad, I'll call my, my stepdad and my mom find out about this, this guy. So they were like, now keep in mind, my mom and dad are going through all their turmoil stuff and they're all of their junk. Were they divorced? No, no. They were still married. He moved out into some other woman's house and they didn't get a divorce. No, my mom, my mom. And so my mom, bless wow. her heart, like she's such a saint, you know, she is wow. a little saint. I mean, but I just remember her being so crushed you know, so broken, so crushed. Mm. Um, That's so sad. And, and I, you know, I just, whenever you're that age, I don't know that you have the real capacity to be able to facilitate and harness or shoulder that kind of emotion. Yeah. A parent, you know, you see it, but you know, how do you support, you don't even know what emotional support looks like really, because I'm hanging on for dear life myself. Sure. Like, I don't have the wherewithal to, to even though I know my mom's hurting, I visibly can see it. I don't have the maturity to be able to, you know, embrace her or to be able to love her through all of those things that she's experiencing. Cause I'm just hanging on from, I'm just trying to live my life and hang on for dear life. And, you know, on this, <laughs> <laughs> this thing we call life roller coaster anyway. Right. And so she did not, she did not divorce um, him. She stayed married to him. And so whenever she started seeing there was trouble with me 
and I was starting to, you know, go wayward. Then she started trying to bring him back into the picture and he started trying to jump into the picture while he's still living in another, you know, I'm like, uh, yeah, no, like, uh, no. <laughs> right. And, and so, <laughs> I mean, you know, I was just, I was, I'm, I'm a very, very, very strong willed, very strong. Like I, 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 I've got a lot of Indian blood in me. I can confirm that you're very strong willed. I, I can confirm that. <laughs> very strong. So, I mean, like I yeah. was like, and, um, so my dad came in and he moved back in. And so I resented him. Um, and so he put a, he's put his foot down and he grounded me, grounded me. And it was, he grounded me for the rest of my life. That was what the words that he used. Wow. Now, well, it nine, hold it. Ninth grade and 11th grade is not that big of a difference. That's two now, years. Yeah. Well, I, okay. So maybe I fudged a little bit. Maybe I was in eighth grade. I think it was like maybe eighth, ninth grade. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. You have to understand. So Ken, think about this. On July 17th, we're summer babies. So I, so I started, you know, I was young. Yeah. yeah. And I yep. started school. Yep. Right. Yep. I, yep. I get it. I waited when I was 17. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I was way younger than any in my class. So, so that made me even, even more, uh, the bigger di age differential. It didn't matter about the grades. It was yeah. differential. Yeah. So, you know, he grounded me for the rest of my life. Well, now I want you to think about it. This is a time there was no cell phones. You know, there was no internet, there was no computer, there was no, I mean, there was only phones wired to the wall. So they we, went like you had to do that to dial a number. We were, we were a little ahead of the game. We had a, like a little push, push button. button. <laughs> <laughs> Those came, yes, eventually. I, I, I know I'm older than you, so. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, but it was attached to the wall. So there wasn't. Yeah. Me sneaking your cell phone no. in the closet somewhere. Nope. Mobile. Sending a text. No, there was that didn't exist. So I'm watching nope. about you. I can, my job. I came home from school. I did my work, and there was no phone calls. There was no communication outside of what I got at school. And, and this was on a farm. Now, now this particular time. Now keep keep in mind, I'm like I'm moving around. So at this time. Oh. We're living in Amarillo, Texas. So okay. we're living, you know, we're living in, we're living in this, in a city, but there's no communication. I have no, I have no connection with anybody. And after six months of this, six months, six months. Holy crap. You know, and, and the, and one, and now during the time that I was, that I was grounded for the rest of my life, my parents, you know, while they were trying to put their marriage back together and they've got me the little hellion, just like, I mean, they went off, they went off for the weekend and I was supposed to be staying with one of our friends and I found the keys. I was supposed to be staying with a friend. I found the keys to my mom's car and we stayed out all night long in my oh, mom's car. My gosh. And my neighbor, my neighbor called my mom and he was about to call the police and he called my mom and he's like, Linda, your car's gone. And she was like, and they, everybody knew it was me. Wow. Everybody knew it was me. And, wow. and, and my neighbor, his, I'll never, his name is Bob and I'll never forget. He was like, you know, 
you have complete control over this situation. You do know that. Wow. And it was kind of, it was really eye opening for me. And it was really like, you know, it was, it was like, you know, I really need to get my act together. I mean, yeah. I really do. I mean, and, and that was kind of, and, and it, you know, it was just coming, from, I, I think it's because it was my parents and there was so much resistance that caused that rebellion because they're without rules, without yeah. relationship equals rebellion. That's where I was. Yeah. So I, I, I was like, okay, I need to get on another path. Well, so that kind of really changed things for me. I really started to really straighten it up. And, and by this time I'm, I'm going into high school. So high school was 10, 11, 12. Yeah. And so I go into high school, uh, go into, um, and so this was a, like, this was a big, big deal. I go into high school, um, try for the volleyball team and I made varsity as a sophomore. Now wow. big, big, big deal. Um, right. I'm from like, you know, and, um, you know, really, really just, I mean, uh, you know, up for homecoming princess. And I mean, I was just real, I mean, really just things started really coming together again and my life just really getting back on track and really focused and, and started thinking about going to possibly maybe going to college. Didn't know. Well, then my mom and my dad, they decided they wanted to move. Uh, and you're in Amarillo. I'm in Amarillo and they, and they decided that they wanted to buy. Now get this. So my mom, my mom was a nurse by trade. She was a registered nurse. My dad was a private pilot and they decided they wanted to start a business, buy a business and an RV business and campground. Now, wow. you know, so this was, you know, this was in, this was in the eighties and, you know, their money was flowing. It was time of Reagan and like, you know what I mean? Like, but it was, everything was great. So, and I was pissed, excuse my language. Mm. You know, here I'm going to be a junior in high school and they want to move. Wow. This is the longest I've ever lived in one place in my life. So these were my friends that I'd started with seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth grade. I finally had, you know, and I'd gone through all of this turmoil and all through all these years. These were my people. Those were my tribe. That was my connection. Connection. While my mom and dad were doing all their craziness. Yeah. And now they want to uproot me from everything. You know, I'm I'm an athlete. I've I've I have a. I mean, I mean all. Wow. Knew to be my life. Good God! And and they wanted to move. Now keep in mind, I'm living in Amarillo, Texas. My class, the class, my class was over is like 450 people. We moved to Abilene, Texas, outside the skirts of Abilene, Texas, off of I-20. Bought a campground and RV sales. And the school that I was supposed to go to or slated to go to was Eula, Texas. Now, if you're from Texas and I know Texas is big, but nobody knows where Eula, Texas is, <laughs> but nobody knows where Eula, Texas is. Nobody. Eula, Y-U-L-A? E-U-L-A. E-U-L-A. I can't even spell it right. Right. Because there's no stoplight. There's nothing. Oh my Lord have mercy. So 
I'm supposed to go to this school. Now, I, we go look at this school. There is 350 people, 350 students, kindergarten through 12. Oh, my God. Are you kidding me? There was 22 people in my class. Shut up. Are you serious? In the entire class? Yeah. Colleen, yeah. Colleen lives in Texas. She knows where it is. <laughs> yeah, you live Texas. And and so we went out there and I'm like, oh dear God. Oh my God. <laughs> and I am like going to the school and I'm like, I'm like, you know, like, what do you guys do for fun? They were like, well, you know, we we go to the bowling alley or you know, we go, I'm like, what? Now you have I'm the big city girl coming into this little bitty podunk farm school. Oh and I'm thinking, oh my God. I mean, I really wanted to die. I like so wanted to die, right? Wow. But the saving grace was this, Ken. The saving grace was the basketball team, the girls' basketball team had just went to state the previous year. And I was like, hmm. That was the only that was the only thing that I was like. You're like basketball's my jam. So so <laughs> I mean, I was like, hmm. So I came in, you know, the coach, and so like everybody's like, here I am, the tall girl again. <laughs> right. I mean, I was 5'11. I'm 5'11. Um, I was 5'11 in eighth grade. Oh my gosh. Wow. I mean, I wow. grew so, so, so you, you, um, so you, you joined the basketball team. I, I, I'm assuming things went well for you on the basketball team. They went very well. They went very well. And, um, I mean, it was, it, it was, it, again, it was, it became my identity. Yeah. You know, it became my identity and it was, but it was, it, you know, I always say that environment is stronger than will. And, you know, whenever I look back, I know that that was part of God's plan for me. Mm. You know, it got me out of that environment yeah. as an Amarillo that really, you know, whenever I look back, it wasn't the ideal environment. It wasn't the kind of people that the mindset, the, the, you know, the, where there was futuristic, where there was, it's real positive. There was, you know, because people were still, no matter it was a bigger city, they were still stuck in their own circles of, uh, it just wasn't, it just wasn't, it wasn't, yeah. the, it wasn't the positive place to be. And I come to, I come to this little bitty farm school and, you know, everybody's an athlete, all the people in my circle, you know, we did basketball. We we ate, played, drank, swim. I mean, everything was basketball. Everything was basketball. Wow. And my circle of people, because there was a little bitty church there, um, Eula Baptist Church, um, that's where most of my friends hung out. And we went to church um, Wednesday night, you know, Sunday and, and Sunday night. And there was an incredible youth group. There was incredible camaraderie. And it was just such an environment that, you know, I was, I became, I was on the, I was on the yearbook staff and I was, you know, I was on 
you know, I, I, I got to wear all these many different hats and be involved in all of these many different processes, you know, that probably in a larger school, I wouldn't have been as involved with, you know, um, you know, wow. Complaint. Um, all of those things, all of those things that really made, I mean, and we, we had so much fun in basketball and we crushed it. We so, dominated. A couple of things like what, A, what happened to the older dude you were dating? <laughs> yeah. I'm sure he left the picture um, when you moved to Eula. Um, okay. So I left out a kind of a little significant piece in there. So, so, <laughs> I'll backtrack. I'll roll back a little bit. Yeah. You know, whenever I was in that transition in, in part of, you know, part of the, whenever it, the eye opening experience, because, you know, as he had eyes for me, he had, there was an, there was a girl that it was in his grade that was older than me, that she, that was his, you know, they mm. together. And I was the, I was the threat. I was the threat. And before I went into high school, so, so I was still in ninth grades. She was a, she was a senior. And I went to a, I went to a volleyball game. I was there with one of my friends and three of her friends jumped me. And I know uh, like women, women can't really think about this, but they literally, they literally jumped me outside of school and wow. They, they beat the ever living crap out of me. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, wow. They, they beat, I mean, they broke my nose. Oh no. I had to have surgery. Oh I mean, my gosh. They beat, listen, they beat the hell out of me. Wow. Um, wow. And, you know, it was pretty eye opening because I knew, I, I knew that he was, you know, he, he, it's because of the way he handled all of this stuff. And, you know, and I, I was just like, man, like, I don't just, I just don't want to be involved in all that. Yeah. Like, right. Right. It's not, I don't want it anyway. It was just, wasn't worth it. And so I think that was, you know, I, I, that was probably my, that was my, my breaking point with that situation. So, so whenever I reflect back on, even though I resisted the moving part, I look back on it and I know that it was God directing my steps. I know that it was God's plan for me. Um, and it was his best for me yeah. in that moment, in that time. And even though I resisted it, you know, hindsight, yeah. looking back, I'm so thankful, grateful um, to, you know, be pulled out of that, to be in to be immersed into another environment that was really put me in another path of really yeah. greatness. Right. And so yeah. I'm very grateful for that. So, so, you know, basketball just became my life. Um, I, I mean, with my friends, um, it was, you know, it, it, it set me on a path to get a, you know, get a scholarship. The, my biggest challenge was, was that I had a, I had a physical issue, which is they call it, they call it now, uh, they call it chronic dislocating shoulders. So like, it wasn't anything for, for me to dislocate one, if not both of my shoulders in a game. Oh my gosh. Um, and so I was, so there was two of my teammates that knew how to help me put, get my shoulder back in, into the socket. That is awful. 
That just sounds painful. It was. It was. Oh my gosh. It was. It was really bad. It was. It was. It was really painful. But, and but I loved it so much. I didn't want to give it up. And um, wow. you know, I we went to we went to state. We um, I I was an all state player. Um, I got several um offers to play to play basketball. But I knew in college. Mm -hmm. so, did you that uh, Taylor this is an hour long show we're 48 minutes into it and we're still in high school um, <laughs> no your story is amazing we're going to go over and that's okay because I want to hear you know number one did you end up going to college yes did you play basketball in college no did you graduate college yes did you yeah. what did you study um, I studied, uh, I had a bachelor of science in, uh, physiology and kinesiology with a business minor and, in, um, wow. so yeah, no, it was, um, yeah, I, I, but I was, I, I had, I had three jobs then worked my way through school. So I gave up a, I gave up a full ride, a scholarship because I knew that I couldn't physically. Oh, because of the shoulder. Yeah. Colleen says she has the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's caused from flaccidity in the joints. Yes. Yeah. Yes. They didn't know what caused uh, it. They were trying to do, you know, they were saying they could surgically repair it, but I would probably have, you know, you think back then, you know, it was a long time ago. I mean, this is like a few yeah. years ago. Like they didn't have the technology probably now that could probably repair it. I don't know. But I mean, it was, it was just one of those things that um, it wasn't worth it to me. You know, yeah. I even though financially it could have been physically, I don't know. Yeah, um, right. So I had to make a decision, you know, that to that I had to walk away from that part of my life. Um, wow. Which was hard because that was kind of my identity, right? I mean, so, I mean, I walked into college without having that security. Yeah. That being such a big part of who I was that yeah. I away from and so I so it was kind of like I, I felt like I was walking in to college without my security blanket you know yeah and um, wow. but it was it was great because I mean I got involved in other things I mean I was uh, I, I mean I was they had a you know hospitality deal I modeled I was one of the models that they did that we a modeling group on campus that modeled for various stores and places. Um, I, um, you know, I was involved. I, I wasn't in a sorority, but I was a fraternity little sister. That was, a lot um, of um, you know, cause I got the Greek life without the responsibility and I made a lot of great friends. And wow. so that was, that was, that was really great, but it was, it was a challenge though, because I mean, I worked, I mean, I had three jobs. I mean, I worked, I would open up, uh, there was a gold's gym there and I opened up the gym at 5 a.m. Wow. I went to class from nine to 12. I worked uh, at Firestone as a part-time bookkeeper from one to five. And then I taught aerobic classes. I had a 530 uh, aerobic class that I taught. Wow. And then I worked, and then I worked a third shift at the Johnson and Johnson plant teaching ergonomics. Good Lord have mercy. Wow. And this was all, was this in Texas? Is that where yeah. you went? This was in, so I went from Abilene. So I went, I went to a school called Angelo State University, which is in San Angelo, which was about an hour and a half south of Abilene, 
which okay. was really great for me because it was still kind of close to home. And, you know, I mean, my, and, you know, to kind of back up, you know, I mean, so here I'm left for college and my mom and dad, you know, the, the oil, I don't know if you remember the oil and the crash and people stopped traveling, people stopped right. buying RVs. I mean, all, everything crashed. My mom yeah. and dad lost their business. So while I was going off to college, my parents were going through, they were losing everything. They wow. were going through bankruptcy. They, they were losing everything. So I didn't have the financial support. Right. I was literally, whenever I moved out, I was out. I mean, yeah. I'm on my own. There ain't, <laughs> there ain't nobody around to help. It was, it was, it was me. Um, you know, you've heard that if it's to be, it's up to me. I mean, that was pretty much what was happening. <laughs> Joe Ingram, you know Joe. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He just said a minute ago, OMG, it's Taylor. Uh, you guys met, I think you met through um, Clubhouse or something, didn't you? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he says, so you were slacking. There was still five hours left in the day. I think about that now and I'm thinking, oh my God. I mean, like. How did I do that? How did I do that? Yeah, that's I, insane. I don't know how I physically did it. Can you imagine one of your kids doing that? <laughs> Are you serious? I uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> God, I'm probably watching I, right I, now. I swung the pendulum so far away <laughs> from that. Like, no, I have great. I have beautiful girls. You really do. You do. I do. So, so along the way. Um, because I want to get to the part where, you know, you become a multimillionaire. <laughs> so, um, because I put that in the title, we're going to talk about the book. We got a lot to talk about, but you know, here is and and I forgot to ask you to share this out on your Facebook page from your phone. Um, but, oh, 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 yeah, you can, if you want. Okay. While, while I'm, while I'm crafting my, my question. So, um, you know, the, so y y you go through college, you're doing all this stuff. You graduate college, you have your degree. Let's, um, back, up. Let's back up. Back up. Because this is a very significant part of the story. Oh, Okay. So I what happens in college? <laughs> no, I met my first husband. Uh yeah, met my first husband, and he was a um he was a 12-time all-American uh track and field guy, mm. discus and hammer, um super duper fast. Um he was, you know, he was the campus all he was the he was the campus stud, if you will. Um and we started dating and we were engaged within six months of us started dating. Wow. Um, but it was a very, very volatile situation. Mm. So he was, um, you know, he was, he was the jock. And, and so whenever he, by six months into it, I mean, whenever he asked me to marry him, it wasn't because I was excited to say yes, but I was afraid to say no. Wow. Yeah. Wow. It yeah. was like that. Yeah, it was very much like that. Um, oh, that sucks. Nobody knew. You know, nobody, nobody knew what was what it was like and what was going on. And I mean, 
the first uh, the the first time I tried to break up or break our engagement, um, and I ran out. I I broke up and I started literally running. And he chased me down the block. He was way. He ran a four four forty. So he obviously wow. can't run that fast. Wow. And threw me over his shoulders and toted me back into his apartment and with his hands around my throat and said, nobody will ever love you like I love you. So. Wow. That sounds really loving. (laughs) Wow. um, It it was, you know, it was, (laughs) I look back on that and I'm like, I just, I realize I, as, as, as much confidence as I had on the outside, I realized I just didn't have the wherewithal and the confidence on the inside, you know, because I, you know, I, who do you turn to? Right. Um, my, my, my mom, I think my mom knew, but I, I, I didn't want my mom to be right. My mom had already experienced this, right. So yep. she knew the signs. She already knew all of those things. And, um, you know, I kept trying to look at the, you know, check the all box because he's this, he's this, he's this, he's this, he's got amazing family. He's this, he, he, he checks all the boxes, right? but they weren't really the right boxes. And I just, I could not escape it. And I don't even know. I mean, I don't even know how, and I think that I went through the process as a lot of women do thinking, okay, well, it'll get better. It'll, it'll get better. And so we, I graduated, I graduated and, um, he, the, the, he was drafted. So he went and he went on to play. No, I graduated in May and he had a semester, uh, two semesters, no, one semester left, left of eligibility and he played football. So he had two, he played two semesters of football where he became, he was all American he um that season he ended up getting drafted by the Houston Oilers. Wow. Um, so we so he was drafted by the Houston Oilers and he ended up um being traded to the LA Raiders. Um, so we're married at the time and while he was um while he was in um camp, um and he was or while he was with the with the Raiders in camp, um this was, this was my first, he was the first time I flew into LA. It was during the riots. Jeez. I mean, LA was on fire and I was on, and I, I remember flying over LA my first time into LA and I'm flying in to tell him I'm pregnant. Wow. 19, that's 89, 90, somewhere in there. That was 90. Um, that was 93, 93. Okay. Okay. And um, I'm flying in to tell him I'm pregnant and um, with our first baby. And so we, um, so he goes through camp. We ended up moving to Los Angeles. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm about, I, I'm, I'm only about, I'm right at six weeks away from delivery at this point. And um, we, I mean, so we find a place to live. Our, we're, we sent for our furniture. Our furniture hasn't even arrived. We're living in our new our new house. Um, and um, I have my first doctor's visit. 
And um, I go to my first doctor's visit to meet my new doctor and they can't find a heartbeat. Oh, man. And so, um, you know, I just remember going through this, Ken, like going, what? Like this, what? And, uh, you know, the 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 realization and, and then whenever you realize what's happening and you're like, you just want it to go away. You just want it to like, okay, I got to get out of here. I got it. And I realize I can't leave my own body because I'm here. And they're telling me like, no, you have to have this baby. And, and so, I mean, so I literally go from meet the day I'm supposed to meet my first, my meet my new doctor, you know, it's supposed to be a, I don't even, I know nobody. We have no furniture. We are not even moved in. Wow. And they're telling me I'm getting, they're getting ready to induce me to have a baby. That's not going to be alive whenever I have it. And they tell me it's going to be 48 hours and they start inducing me and going through the process. And, Oh my God. And I just remember being like, this can't be my life. This just can't be happening because I was, you know, I did everything right, Ken. I did everything right. I mean, I didn't, I didn't drink. I didn't drink coffee. I didn't have, I mean, I, how's, how can this be happening? And, um, mm. but God was so gracious because, you know, she, I didn't, it wasn't 48 hours. It was less than 12. And I had her in on um, September 15th of 1992, apologize, 1992. Was it 93, 92? And, um, you know, I, I was at, it was at the little company of Mary and I, they, they encouraged me to, to hold her. And I'm so thankful that I did because you know, it, you know, you just, when you're in that place, you just want to escape. And I just remember leaving the hospital and feeling so empty and feeling so lost. And, um, it was, it was such a crazy time that, you know what, but God, like he, the, the players wives that were really strong believers, they came in and they wrapped their arms around me and they, they just brought me into their tribe and they loved on me. And they, it was, it was wow. such a beautiful, beautiful time. Um, and I got involved with this lady's Bible study and God, I, it was, it was really, cause I remember, you know, my, my granddad, my papa. So I remember my Gaga. Now there's my papa. Whenever we were moving to California and he said, he said, okay. Cause I remember I'm Southern Baptist. Right. <laughs> California. That fits said, really well together. He said, okay. Now don't you go get involved. None of those charismatic churches out there. <laughs> And what did I do? I go to the first church. And it's charismatic. <laughs> that is so funny. Oh my gosh. And it was so, it was like, it was like so amazing. Like this is the first time like I felt the Holy Spirit. I was like, when I felt a love and I felt this, oh my God, I was like immersed in this. Yeah. And, um so, and I was so involved with this Bible study and these women and, and, um, six weeks later I'm pregnant again. Wow. And, you know, so that was like a journey in and of itself. Like, you know, because I was like, just, you know, I was like probably a little disconnected. Yeah. And, um, so, so at this time, so, um, my husband, Kyle, he had a career in an injury. He had torn his Achilles tendon. He's going through rehab. 
we're, I'm, we're, we're pregnant. We have a baby. We don't know what our future holds. We're living in California. So I'm, I, I mean, like, so it's just, but God was just so gracious to us, right? So gracious. And so we ended up, uh, they ended up cutting him. Um, and that's a whole nother story. But anyway, we, we ended up in love. We ended back up in Lubbock, Texas. Mm. Um, I had a, and I had a four week old baby at the time. Wow. And he's going back to school. We're living in back in Lubbock full circle again, not where I wanted to be. You know, this is where I am. I find myself full circle West Texas again. I'm like with a baby and not knowing what the future held. And that's whenever I really, I started my network marketing journey. It was, you know, mom care versus daycare. I wanted an extra $800. That was enough to just keep me, you know, uh, you know, even with my degree at that time that kept me, uh, you know, where I could take care of her and not work outside the home while he was going to school. And that was where my mindset was. And that was set me on my journey to, to find different things that I could do. And that's what set me on the, the trail for, for network marketing. And, wow. and I got Laura's Laura's dad is a Southern Baptist preacher. <laughs> ah, well, okay. Nothing against Southern Baptist. Don't get <laughs> me wrong. Cause it was my roots and it was my, it was my base and it was my foundation. And it's really, I think was really what's the God's grace and mercy that, that, you know, kept me surviving through this whole process. It's just, it, it definitely, just definitely looked different than what I'd ever experienced before. And I'm so thankful to have that kind of spiritual experience because I, it was, it was something that I, that I really, that it's kept me moving from this point forward. Right. But, um, yeah. but my, but my, that's where my started my network marketing journey can, and wow. I, you know, my goal was just to make an extra $800 a month. I got, I got started my very first month. I made $2,400. My very, wow. um, of course you did. You're <laughs> Taylor Thompson. And this is in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. Colleen yeah. says that's the worst place she's ever lived in Texas. <laughs> well, I can't say it's the worst place because two of my children were born there. So um, you know, I'm thankful for that part, but it is, it is a brutal place as far as weather. It is brutal, brutal. Yeah. Um, but, and it was, so I was very, very fortunate because, you know, this is kind of where this thing comes into play because I had a set of these tapes, you know, inside of my, um, show, show the book. This was so the millionaire trading. So it was an audio tapes that were included that were given to me. Um, whenever I first started. And so whenever, you know, whenever I first st got started, um, this lady right here, Tish Roisin, she was the first Herbalife distributor in the state of Texas. And mm. she had me my upline and not my direct upline, but she was my upline, which happens to be Larry's sister. And I'll get to that part. But she was the first Herbalife distributor in the state of Texas. And so she she was really an integral part, you know, of, of millionaire training. And, and really it was just basic fundamentals and basic concepts that I, the stay at home mom who had never had any business experience was able to take and apply these concepts and work this business around what, you know, around my family, around what I was doing. But, but, you know, here's the thing, what, 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 you know, what ended up happening, you know, Ken, it was that the more success that I had, um, the more turmoil it created in my home. 
you know, I mean, you know, I didn't really talk about all the things that were happening, you know, in my, my marriage and my relationship. And, you know, as long as, as long as he was, as long as I was the, the arm piece, if you will, things were pretty decent. Right. Mm. But before that I became independent, yeah. the money that I made, the more success I had, uh, the more tumultuous my home life became. Yeah. Um, because I was a threat. I was, a, it was threatening. It was, it was, um, it was threatening to him. And that's, and, and so the more money I had, the more independent, the more mindset, the more confidence, you know, all of those things that started happening. And, and, and was and, he working? Did he, I mean, it sounds like the NFL was over. So what NFL was over and, you know, and it was one of those things like, you know, you know, my mindset was, I was growing mentally, my confidence was growing and I know he felt it because that's not what he, um, that's not what he, he was doing. Right. Yeah. So yeah. it's almost like, you know, don't be yoked. Don't, don't be unequally yoked. Yeah. Right. Right. Ultimately what was taking place. Right. He felt it and he was experiencing it. And the more that that happened, the more accolades I got, the more success that what happened, the more angry and the more tumult. I mean, it was just, it was, it was, it was, and nobody knew. Nobody knew. And here's the thing. Like I always say, you never know what's happening behind closed doors. Right. We were to look at our family. So, so here I'm going through. So we had, our, you know, I had Kyla, my firstborn, you know, then I, uh, we, we had Candace, my secondborn, you know, and the success and success climbing and more money, more money, more money. And from you, from you. Yeah. So he, because he graduated uh, and he went to be in a coach, he was, he was a high school coach. Well, mm. high school coaches don't make much money. Right. Nothing against high school coaches because yeah. they, they can be important, but, yeah. it, but and yeah, it, they you know, don't make a lot of money. wrong with that's what he yeah. do. I'm not saying that at all. So yeah, right. No, I know. I'm not, I'm not downing that in any no, way. No, I know you're not. I'm, I'm, yeah. I mean, it's so, I mean, because I, I, I mean, it, it, it was just, it was, it was the dynamics. It was the, right. it, it was, it was the dynamics that was, that was the problem. And, and so, you know, it, it was, um, how do I, I mean, you know, he was, it, it was just a big threat. It was just, it. did, and, did and you it, ever say, did you ever say to yourself like, wow, I'm in the same marriage that my mother was in with my, my real father every day. Wow. So you knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And I mean, the fact that you were afraid to say no to the wedding proposal. Yeah. Is but, by the time, you know, by the time I had my, by the time, by this, whenever I found out I was pregnant with the third baby, I, I mean, I knew we, I was in, this was, I was in dire straits. I was really in dire straits. And, and the thing about it is it was such a big secret because every, we had put on such a facade with, church. I had an aerobics ministry at our church. We were highly involved in our church. Wow. Everybody on our, every, you know, people like knew us as a family. He wasn't involved with church. He wasn't involved with my business. He was just, they just saw what they saw. It was like yeah. this picture perfect family. Yeah. And, and so as a woman, you can't, once you cross that line and expose that, yeah. there's turning back. 
So as a woman, as a mother, as a wife, I'm like protecting. I, my, my mom didn't even know. My mom what? did not know. My mom did not know that I was having to call the police. 911. Wow. My mom didn't know that. Holy crap. And so, uh, you know, the breaking point for me was one night <clears throat> is, is, is one night whenever he threw me across the room with, with my, um, my smallest one in my arms, whenever he threw me across the room and she was in my arms after he had spit in my face. Um, it was like, it was almost like this. It was, I, I, it, I'm such a visual person. You know, I felt like there was this, there was this emotional cord that was attached and there was these big scissors that just went shoop. <laughs> and wow. I was done. done. That was it. I was done. Done. Wow. And, and I, I remember that as clear as a bell. There was no, there was no recourse. There was no, I knew what I needed to do. I knew what I had to do. And I literally packed up, I literally packed up the girls um, where was he? He was there, but I, he, I mean, he told me, I mean, after I, there's a, I mean, this is a whole book in and of yeah, itself. Yeah. Yeah. But the reality is, is that I knew it was going to take more to get him out of the house, um, than me just packing up. And I just packed up the girls. I took, I took our belongings and I moved, a, I moved a few blocks away from where we were living at the time. Cause I didn't want to take my kids away from him, but I had to get out. Wow. So we had had the first, I mean, the, he and the first night, the first day that we were living within, within a couple of blocks, he broke into my house and he, um, he, yeah, he, uh, he brutalized me in front of our kids. Oh my God. And that's whenever I knew that there was no hope. Did that you have him arrested? They, um, yes, they came and <laughs> Oh gosh, this is a okay. This is this is a there's a whole there's a whole big story that goes with this. But I will tell you, I mean, that's whenever I filed for divorce. That's whenever I mean, I had the whole, I had all the documentation. I had all the things, and he he literally he wanted to then he wanted to fight me for custody. Jeez. So and. And so now I want you to keep in mind, now this is where this gets a little crazy here. Um, you don't have to share all of it. You don't yeah. have to, you don't have to go into that if you don't. No, it's just, it's a part of, it's a, it's just a part of the story and it's just a part of the journey though, but yeah. long story short, and you know, we may have to do a part two at some point, but you know, long story short, you know, we live in a good old boy system. And, um, after yeah. he had, and so we're in a custody battle and long story short, he has, he got his mom up on the, the stand and told the judge that I was, you know, abusing the children and, you know, keep in mind that he is the hometown hero. He's the, wow. okay. And, and so I had, it didn't matter that I had 10 different character witnesses for me and he only had his mom. And while I was telling my story of the whole of our whole marriage and the abusive and all the and I had all the documentation of all the police reports, et cetera, et cetera, I had a judge that was sleeping in my ear, literally snoring in my ear while I was telling my story. Oh my God. 
and I had an attorney telling me, motioning for me to keep going. Instead of saying judge and putting it on the record, he hand motioned for me to keep talking. As the judge fell asleep in the courtroom while you were telling your that's mm -hmm. insane. Wow. This, this is Texas. Colleen says, yep, especially in Texas. Mm -hmm. Wow. And so, and, and so Ken, it was, um, I mean, I lost custody of my three daughters in that, in that courtroom. Oh my God. I lost custody to a man, you know, um, that, and, 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 you know, it's wow. like, that was, that was probably the, the deepest pit of my entire life in that moment wow. and because Everything that I'd done, everything that I'd built was for them. Mom care versus daycare. Everything was so I could be a stay-at-home mom. You wow. Know? And um, so that was a, I mean, that was that's a whole nother journey and certainly a whole nother book. But I will tell you, God was so good and so gracious. Um, and there was many, many, many tears, but it didn't stop. It didn't stop the fight. And it didn't, even though, um, and I found out, and, and here's the thing, and, and this whole, our whole legal system is pretty much screwed up. But I will tell you that uh, three months later, I found out that that judge was diagnosed with narcolepsy. But because, but because my attorney did not have it on the record, I couldn't go back and negate the ruling. And so, you know, it became a journey of court battles and over and over again. But this man was the man that I literally, I had to take him to court just so I could have phone privileges with my children. Jiminy Christmas. I, he moved them a hundred miles away from me. Oh my God. Illegally illegally he moved them a hundred miles away from me and i and i can't I, I can't even tell you how much money i spent on legal battles and and so even though he and the judge would not make him the judge wouldn't file charges on him or the judge wouldn't hold him in contempt even though that was a dense against the corridor i mean there was so much this is so west texas but, but you so but, but you were still working on your network marketing business the whole time. And, and just so everybody knows, cause we're going to have to, we got to, we got to, I, I have a hard stop in 10 minutes, but so, so you ended up meeting Larry, your husband, yeah. um, who is a phenomenal human being. Yeah. Um, and he's the co-founder of Herbalife. Yes. And um, so he knows a thing or two. He knows a thing or two, and I, in the midst of all of all of you know, all, you know, in the midst of all of, of my turmoil, you know, I had I had uh, met Larry. I was in the throes of all this. I had met Larry. I had been working with Larry. I was still building my business, um, and it, it 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 changed everything. It catapulted everything. And you know, I don't know if people believe in love at first sight, but the first time that I met my mentor, I definitely say it was love at first. Wow. And we became the best of friends, even though he was living in California, I was living in Texas, going through all of this. We became the best of friends and not, not just friends, but really spiritual confidants. Um, and, you know, we, after we first started having our conversations, we had our first date 18 months 
afterwards. Wow. 18 months. 18 months. Um, so he has a whole other story, you know, that because he was battling chronic fatigue and I was the first person that he told that he was in, he had been battling chronic fatigue. And so we, we, anyway, we, we got to get, he moved to Texas. We ended up, um, you know, we went, we got married. He has a beautiful relationship with my three daughters. He has three daughters. I have three daughters between us. We have six daughters. Wow. Um, and so we, um, you know, we started our, we started our own company. Then we, um, started our own consulting and what we did in the process, it's just been really quite amazing. It's such a beautiful, it's a, such a beautiful story of how God restores yeah. And, and I, cause I know you have a, you have a hard stop because no, you keep going. Well, well, you got time. So it's, um, you know, fortunately, I mean, you know, God just always has a plan. And, yep. and so in the midst of all of these things happening that in my personal life, I was so, he was so good. And, you know, he brought Larry in my life and he, we, you know, I was, I, I had moved from Lubbock. We're now live, we were now living in Dallas and I was driving back and forth to West Texas to, to be, to, to do their, um, to, to go to their games, to be the class mom, to do their class parties. You know, I put 250,000 miles on my SUV, um, driving wow. back and forth to West Texas to be involved in every aspect of their life in Snyder, Texas, in West Texas. But, you know, I needed to be in Dallas to continue to build our business and what we were doing. Right. And in the process of all of that, you know, God was so gracious. He restored them. They all came home. And, you know, my, my scripture in the process, Ken, was, um, that God would restore all the years. It's in Joel two, that God would restore all the years that the locust had eaten. And, and in Jeremiah 31, whenever it says, Rachel will weep no more. She, her children will be restored from the enemy's land. Yes. They wow. Restored. And I would, and I would start, um, I, those were my words. Those were my scriptures. And I, you know, uh, you know, Psalms 32, you know, if you would, Lord, I pray that you would fight against those who fight against me and you would contend with those who contend with me and you, and, and you would send the angel of the Lord pursuing them. I really learned how to do like really war with God's word. And I think about that now. And I think about where you know, with business. And I think about how I learned how to be such a praying mom, how to be a praying wife, how to be a praying warrior and praying and declaring and decreeing God's word to be true. And I know that I know that I know that it works because whenever I look at my girls and everything that the enemy meant for harm, how God made for good. I mean, how is it that you can graduate three beautiful girls from high school because they ended up all coming here with Larry and me under this roof. Um, they all graduated um, with their virginities intact. I mean, I know that, that people, maybe there may be some naysayers going, Oh yeah, I'm sure, you know, but I just know that I know, what God did and how God protected them and how they love their relationship with the Lord and how we've come together as a family and what's happened as a result of our business, you know, with what Larry and I've been able to do and the impact that we've had, not only, 
nationally, but internationally, you know, I mean, we just mentored his, oh, he's done, you know, with his experience with Herbalife and the millionaire training, that's one thing. And all these people, whenever you look at the contributors, all the people that he's mentored to well over multi-million, but we just uh, helped our second company uh, to a billion dollars in sales in 2019. Wow. And, and so it's been, God has been so good and so gracious to continue to provide and uh, with resources and building relationships um, in the midst of everything. And so I always say people have two different lives that they're living. They have a personal life that they're dealing with and they're having, you know, a business life that they're dealing with. And sometimes they are not always, you know, there's, there's the yin and the yang, you know, your business life may be rocking it, but your, your personal life may be, in the toilet, right? So right, there's right. always the yin and the yang. But here's the thing, no matter what, and what I've learned in this journey and in through this process is that if you just keep your eyes on the Lord, he really is so gracious to direct your steps. And he is He is the ultimate source. He is the ultimate resource. And, you know, with this book, I truly believe um, that, you know, we started this book club, Ken, and it's the millionairetraining.com. Yeah. And these are concepts like if these are concepts. I don't want you to think about concepts never end, you know, concepts. I mean, principles. I mean, that's what the scripture is. It's principles, right? They never change. They meet you where you are. Um, so many people in our space and network marketing, they're trying to learn tactics. You know, they're trying to learn where to go, what to do, what to say. Um, you know, seven steps to seven figures. They're buying all these courses and they're buying all this stuff to try to you know, learn more to do more. And so it's not about that. It's about learning some, it's, it's, it's run, hit, catch, throw baseball. I mean, baseball has fundamentals. And if you learn how to do the fundamentals, you can either be in, uh, you can either be in little league, you can be in minor league, or you can be in the major leagues. But at the end of the day, they still teach fundamentals, run, hit, catch, throw, basketball, yep. dribble, pass, shoot. There's fundamentals in every sport and there's fundamentals in your business. And whenever you learn the fundamentals, then you can implement any tactic that you want and have success. But you have to have the foundation. You have to have a strong foundation in order to have something to build on. And that's where the missing piece is from my perspective. Um, you know, whenever you look at people in business nowadays, they're looking for the magic dust. They're looking for the magic bullet. And it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. You have to put the time in. You have to put the energy in. You have to you have to develop the muscle. You have to go to the gym. You have to lift the weights. I can sit there and tell you how to lift the weights, but at the end of the day, you have to go to the gym and lift the weights for yourself to receive any benefit of it. And that's the whole key that I learned in 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 my journey, you know, and in, in, in having the success is that, you know, you have to do your job description every day, no matter what's happening in your personal life. No matter what, you have to keep moving. You have to keep moving. If you don't, you will succumb. You, you will be rolled over like a steamroller. You have to get your eyes up. You have to lift your eyes up and you have to taking and moving your step one foot in front of the other, no matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your life as an entrepreneur, that's our job. That's our job. I feel like I just went to church. 
Woo, woo. <laughs> we'll pass the plate. So, <laughs> Taylor, you are amazing. And I know you've got some some big fans on here now for sure. So where where is the best place for everyone to follow you on social media? Well, the best place, I mean, if they want to join our book club, themillionairetraining.com. Um, but I have a women's network too. So you do. yes, I have the women's and the she network. Um, so talk the, about that real quick. The, so the she network sharing her excellence network, which is a, is just for women entrepreneurs. There's a free group there. I do have a platform, you know, where we have women training and all various top earners come in and train on my platform. That's a, that's a membership platform, but, um, you know, Larry and Taylor, or, you know, whenever Larry and Taylor, we go clubbing every Friday, that's our book club. It's a free place where you can go to the millionaire training. You can get a download of, and a free chapter of the book, how to employ yourself. So if you're an entrepreneur, it's a great foot in the door. And if you're building a business, it's a great way for you to bring people to see like, who are you actually working with? Do they know how to employ themselves and get them involved? We go clubbing every Friday uh, on our Facebook group and we have special guests, but we talk about these principles. We talk about the foundation and then, which is, you know, and then if you want to take it to the next step, you can come join us inside of our Academy, which we really take you by the hand and help you build your business. And we're going to get Larry on the show as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and, and I want to talk a little bit about, like, you know, Larry started, from what I understand, hawking Herbalife products out of the trunk of his car. And, well, and he actually started in 1968. He joined the same company the same day, Bestline Products, as Jim Rohn. And wow. so he has a great, great story. He started with the original tactician of network marketing. Bobby DePew was his mentor. That was in 1968. He started as a long haired hippie construction worker. So he had a vast experience before he started with uh, Mark Hughes in Herbalife in 1980. And there's a significant part of the story. And that's all in the book, too. There's yeah. a if you're network marketing, there is a history that we talk about this. And here's the thing, like, you know, I want you to think about, I mean, these, all of these people, you talk about Jeff Roberti, $100 million man in network marketing. I mean, he started with Larry as a broke waiter. All of these people were basic people, but, you know, he started in the 60s, you know, whenever it wasn't even multi-level, it was pyramiders. It wasn't even a legal industry at that point. And, and so he had a vast experience going into Herbalife that really changed the complexion of network marketing and where yeah. network marketing went and the leaders that came out of it and where we currently are. So there is a whole, there is a whole story that goes yeah. along with this. So if you want to go learn more about that, you can go to wealthbuilding.pro and you can learn more about the four generations of network marketing. And, and I, you know, part of the thing is, is I know Larry took, you know, helped. He was very significant um, in taking Herbalife from. I mean, they were small, right? They were they were still pretty. Well, so Mark, when it, okay, so there's a there's a little story here, and I'll give you guys a little tidbits. So whenever Larry comes on, you'll get to hear it. But whenever yeah. he met so significant '68, he met Jim Rohn. He went on to, uh, you know, went on to another company back in in, in 1978. Same day, he was invited by Larry Huff. Larry Huff started um, uh, uh, Best Line Products. He, Larry, my husband, Larry Thompson, joined the same company the same day as Mark Hughes. 
Larry went on to become the vice president of of uh, Golden Youth Marketing, and Mark Hughes was the number one distributor. Whenever those doors closed, Mark asked Larry, hey, I want to start my own company. You want to come with me? And wow. that, that all started. Larry was Larry wrote the marketing plan. Larry wrote the strategy. Everything that, that Mark did and implemented came from what Larry's- Which is now, Herbalife's known as the, the, the what, number two in the- I mean, they're, they're a multi-billion dollar company now. So billion dollars this last year. How much? Seven billion. Seven billion? Seven billion. Oh my God. And, and, and Larry, Larry started, started that, that that's, that's in, incredible. Yeah. So I can't wait to have him on. I, I, Rick McCormick is going to the website joining the the book club um nancy who's in the philippines is a member of herbalife so that's that's pretty cool so you definitely want to join the book club and you want to get the book nancy because really if you really want to know the truth i mean this really carries herbalife's history it it carries it because he talks about mark hughes he talks about jim Rohn. um and when he was friend larry was good friends with jim Rohn. Larry spoke at, Larry, at the Jim Rohn's private funeral. I mean, I that's know. the friends that they were. Amazing. Uh, yeah, amazing. I mean, and Larry was responsible for bringing Jim Rohn to Herbalife in 1985, which really catapulted Jim Rohn's career internationally. That's how he became internationally renowned is yeah. Herbalife and his connection with Larry. Wow. And Incredible. so think about all those pieces and how they came together. It's it's unbelievable the history and all the connections. And whenever you look at the contributors inside the book, they all started with Larry. They yep. all started and they took those briefcase of skills they had with Millionaire Training. They Millionaire Training was recorded 40 years ago, this February 21st, 40 oh years ago. Gosh. And it still is relevant today, more relevant probably now than it's ever been. But wow. those skills and they went off to all, you talk about Lisa Grossman, number one of her company. Um, Ray Higdon's even in here. Yeah. Uh, uh, Lisa, uh, let's see, Frank McKay, all different companies. Rick and Michelle Teague, Modare. Um, you've got Dan McCormick, New Skin, John Solander, um, Immunitech, uh, Jay Bennett, Isagenics. I mean, Rolf Sorg, PM International, whose company just hit a billion dollars in sales in 2019. And I mean, that's powerful, all because of fundamentals, these core values that we teach. Amazing. Taylor, you rock. I, I mean, I just, I freaking adore you. I love you both, you and Larry. You're two of my favorite people. And, and I, I'm, I'm just grateful that you're in my life. God knows what he's doing. That's for sure. Well, he does. And I'm so happy that he does. And I'm so happy that he made us cross paths for sure. Cause you definitely make my day, yeah. you know, especially whenever I have something to share, you, you know, you're one of the top five on my list that I share my stuff with. Uh, well, that makes me feel special. <laughs> you're awesome. Thank you so much. So and much for having Everybody go to the millionaire training.com, join the book club. Get you, I'm there's links to the book on there to buy the book, right? Yeah, and there's a there's a link for the audio if they wanted to audio, yeah. audio, but just join the book club, download the yeah. download it, come look, come have fun with us, go clubbing yeah. with Jimmy Taylor. Yeah, you're amazing. <laughs> Listen, thank you to everybody who's been on here and watched and and Taylor. 
Thank you for being so open and transparent. One of my 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 favorite sayings, and I don't know if I heard this from somebody else. I think I did. Um, but pain is the predecessor of all wisdom. And wow. you know, you um it shows. It shows that everything you've been through just created this amazing, beautiful human being. I know that you're also an animal, animal lover and you have like 15 dogs or something. <laughs> but I think, I think the world of you, my wife loves you. We just think the world of you guys. So um, Taylor, thank you so much for being a guest today and being so open. I'm sorry we went long. I mean, like, it's fine. It's fine. It was, it was perfect. Perfect. Thank you so much. Everybody who shared this out, you will be blessed today. I promise you. If you didn't share this out, you'll probably still be blessed, but not as blessed. Hey, should we do a drawing for those who share it? If you want, sure. What are you going to, what are you doing? Let's do that. So let's, if, if they share it out or tag somebody, Let's do a real live drawing and I'll put like, I'll empty. This is my last drawing. I actually put people's names in a drawing oh and, my I God. Out and I do like a live drawing and we can do a live drawing for a signed book and how I'll, I'll do this. I'll do this. I'll do, I'll give away two signed books. If you want wow. to, they so share. you're going to, you're going to go back and look at all the people that shared and, 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 and yeah. Or if you, yeah, you, I mean, like if you show me on your shares and I'll show you on my shares, well, I'll put their names in a drawing and we'll do Okay. That. Perfect. But yeah. not, we can't do it now. No. Oh, no. you mean like, I got you. Yeah. We'll give them to, let's, let's yeah. say we'll give them to the, um, till Saturday morning. Perfect. And give Perfect. them a chance to share. And then your replays can share too. Look at you go. Just sporadically doing that. I love it. Rick just shared it out. Thank you, Rick. <laughs> And I know a bunch of other people have too. So thank you all so much, Taylor. Thank you. You're amazing. And thank you to everybody. Taylor, don't hang up on me, but I am going to end the live stream. So thank you so much. Love you. Love you all. Thank you. And have a blessed and wonderful day. Bye. Bye-bye.